When you start moving towards God, all kind of blessings start opening up in your life. And now for Success Forces Part 17, Putting Yourself in Someone Else's Shoes. Thank you for joining us at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And you know, the world is going through so much right now, but the scripture just kept running through my spirit. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff shall comfort me. You know, I told you that every July I'm taking off now. And I asked God where to go for this past month of July. He said New Orleans. And I I looked up New Orleans yesterday. Do you know Louisiana has the highest rate of virus infection of any state in the country when you compare rates of infection to population? He sent me right in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. But I still fear no evil. When you're doing what God tells you to do and going where God tells you to go, don't worry about it. And there's been such a vibration here in the church today. I don't even see how a virus can live in this church. But we don't want to be foolish. So this is what I want you to do, even in the midst of this virus pandemic that's running around the world. Even when you're at church, you need to treat everybody as if they're testing positive. Just simple as that. So you just treat everybody as if they're testing positive. I love you, but I'm going to love you from six feet away. You keep your mask on. You wash your hands. You follow the wisdom because a whole lot of preachers did. So you want to be wise with stuff. That's why God gave you so many of the health laws in the Bible to be wise with stuff. So you just treat everybody because we're knowing more and more people who are positive. But just because you are positive doesn't have to be a negative as long as your immune system is strong. But you don't want to spread it to anybody whose immune system may not be as strong. So we're practicing faith, but we're also practicing wisdom. After service, go down, get your free immunity smoothie. Pick up your free bottle of seven shields for those of you who don't have it. So we're doing everything humanly possible to make sure that we stay healthy because I believe we are supposed to be healthy as Christians. Christians are not supposed to be sick. And I don't want any of us here sick. I'll come visit you in the hospital if you get in the hospital, but I prefer not to. I prefer to see you here in the sanctuary. And for those of you who are watching via electronic means, I understand the reasons why you're not coming out to the sanctuary. If you don't feel comfortable, by all means. But we are taking maximum precaution. Number one, I know nobody in the sanctuary has a temperature. And if you got to have a mask to go in Walmart, you got to have a mask to come in God's house. Simple as that. I want to also thank all of you who have been sending in your tithes and your offerings. Because you don't slack on any of your other bills, and why should you slack on your duty to the house of God? And most of you have still been sending in your tithes and your offerings, and we really thank you for that because the expenses of the church are still going on. So we just thank all of you for being faithful. God has been faithful to you. You be faithful to God. And I'm seeing more and more, even among my children, I've got... My third youngest son, Christian, who's now our minister of music, and our youngest son, George, is sitting right there in the balcony. And they came together because George said, he said, Daddy, 
I want to get to church early. And then he said, and I want to go on Thursday to hear Uncle Charles. He's 15 years old, but God is speaking to him more and more. And the angels are showing up. And Christian has, when I came back from out of town, walked into the garage and he had his car wrapped with an orange wrap with do 42. And I noticed all the wrap was off of the car. I said, why all the wrap off of the car? And then I understood that he was selling the car. Now, I told my sons, I said, Daddy will buy your first car, but your second car, you got to buy. So he was selling the car. I said, Christian, why are you selling the car? He said, well, he said, first of all, it's a little bitty two-seater Miata. He said, first of all, it hurt my back. Then he said, I have to take friends to church, and they can't fit in this two-seater. I'm getting ready to get another car myself. Because nothing wrong with the cars that I have, but I do a lot of traveling now. And I want a car that drives itself. I just do. I get sleepy on the road. And Pastor Dangerous when he's sleepy on the road. I just tell you that right off the bat. I get sleepy. I get bored. So I either have a choice right now of either buying a Tesla or they have this little thing called a comma.ai that you can put in certain model cars and it turns it into a self-driving car. Well, the car that I have, my current Lexus, doesn't have it where I can add this device. So I have to get one that's six years newer. And I was going to buy one about three months ago. And God said, no, wait three months before you buy another car. So I asked Christian, I said, Christian, what kind of car are you going to get? He said, I'm not sure. I said, daddy will be able to buy another car in another nine days. Because I got it down. I'm going to get one right on the nose. I said, daddy will be able to buy another car in nine days. Would you be interested in my Lexus? He said, what? He said, how much you going to sell it for? <laughs> now, the Lexus is virtually brand new. A lot of times when I go places in it, people actually think it's a brand new car. It has about 60,000 miles on it. It looks absolutely brand new. It's got every single option. It's a high-end luxury car. And I remember a few months ago when we went somewhere and Christian was driving, he said, man, this thing just drives like money. <laughs> so I told Christian I would sell him the car for just a little bit over what he's selling his car for. So he said, that's a done deal. Now, this is the point. When you start moving towards God, all kind of blessings start opening up in your life. Just happens. And it's not just financial. My son George started his first class with the Harvard Diversity Debate Group yesterday. And it's a class that James's daughter, Genesis, has completed They have won the championship for three years in a row of all international debate teams worldwide. So they go through this rigorous training that's really, really rough. And when I picked George up yesterday, I said, George, how was your day? Because the teacher told us, look, don't take your children anywhere when you pick them up because they're going to be worn out. And I asked George, I said, George, how was the class? He said, it was fantastic. He said, I just loved it. And he says, I see myself developing more in the next month than I ever have in my life. And he was just a beam. You see, when you start moving towards God, doors start opening up. Things started happening in your world, and it just makes a difference. And you don't have to be old to do it. George told me, he said, Daddy, I want you to know about Isaiah. I said, who is Isaiah? He says, Isaiah is a boy that's in the Harvard class with me. And we've been talking on the phone. And he says, Isaiah listens to your messages. 
He says, Isaiah, and I just finished the longest series that I've ever preached called The Plagues of Egypt, which was 19 messages. He says, Isaiah has listened to every single one of the plagues of Egypt. I said, what? I said, how old is Isaiah? The Harvard Debate Group, basically it's a high school group, but everybody in the group is accelerated because they take 25 kids out of thousands of applicants, so everybody is accelerated. I said, how old is Isaiah? George says, Isaiah is 12. So if a 12-year-old... And I talked on the last message about the prelude to this coming series, the second part of Success Forces. Success Forces was the longest series I'd ever preached prior to the plagues of Egypt, which has 16 messages. If a 12-year-old can listen to all 19 of the plagues of Egypt, anybody over 12 ought to be able to listen to the 16 messages of success forces that have already been preached and I'm going to do eight additional ones so that there will be a total of 24 success forces so God has a plan and I'm just seeing it just within my own family see some of you are trying to start businesses you want to have breakthroughs in all kind of areas but you won't get right with God You won't do what God tells you to do. And when you do what God tells you to do, and I have problems with this myself. I had hurt my knee a few weeks ago, and I hurt it last week, just doing something just mild. But when I went on the trip that the company just came back from, and I was limping because I'd hurt my knee again. And I said, well, the reason I hurt my knee really wasn't because I twisted it. God says, work out six days a week, and you'll never be sick. This hurt knee is a sickness. I don't care how you slice it. I had missed my workout for two days when I hurt my knee. So God hadn't broke his word to me. So I was, my knee was hurt because I had missed my workout for two days. And you said, Pastor, two days ought not make that much difference. Well, God says work out six days a week. You'll never be sick. I missed two days. My knee twisted. So all I got to say is do what God tells you to do. And even blessings will happen to you that you don't even expect. My son was trying to figure out what kind of car could he buy with the money for the first car. He had no idea he would be elevated to that level. God has some levels of elevation for you. And he's just waiting on you to just do what he's told you to do. So if you're watching by television, if you're here in the sanctuary, some of you are watching by television because it's convenient. And God has told you, you need to be in the presence. Because even though... You heard a lot of the vibration going forth that's coming over the television or coming over your phone. It's not the same as being here. And you're going to be safe here. That's the other thing. We're separated. Nobody has a temperature. You don't hear anybody coughing. And everybody has on masks. So you're just as safe here. And plus, I've just been hearing about so many people, they're testing positive and they haven't been anywhere. We had two cases last week. The people said, I haven't been anywhere. I don't go out to the grocery store. All my groceries are delivered. How I test positive. Look, it's better to have God surrounding you and be in the presence. If he lays it on your heart to be here. Now, if he doesn't put it on your heart to be here, you stay right where you are. But if he puts it on your heart to be here, you get on in the house of God. And it's going to get worse. There's no question about that. It's going to get worse. But this is where our faith is truly tested. Now, I'm not saying do anything foolish. 
So we're going to have social separation. We're not hugging. We ain't shaking hands. We're not getting close to it. I don't want you hallelujahing in anybody's face. No spit going on anybody. So we are going to be fully just like the doctor has suggested. So you're not taking any risk, but you're in the presence of God. And you're in the presence here where you know no one at least has a temperature. So we're getting ready to go into the second half of success forces. A.V., if you would, just go ahead and play the video. It's a short two-minute video that I want you to see that kind of outlines the success force that we're going to talk about today. That doesn't even make sense. It makes total sense. You just open up your mind no, and you listen to that, other people's opinions. That, that doesn't What's going on here? What's going on? John's being ridiculous. I'm being ridiculous. You're the one that thinks Bro, that. how can you not see Okay, me? boys, calm down. Okay, everybody take your seats. Matthew, John, come up here, please. And John, stand over there and face that direction. Matthew, come over here and just do the opposite. Thank you. Okay, boys, turn around. John, what color is the ball? The ball's white. Seriously? Bro, do you just like making things difficult? Well, what color do you say the ball is? Black. The ball is black, clearly. I don't know what you see around, but the ball is white. Without looking at the ball, I want you to both switch places. Okay, both of you, please turn around. And what color is the ball now? Okay, please have a seat. Throughout our lives, we believe many things, and we hold dear what we think is right and true. But at times, there'll be others who disagree with us. What we believe to be 100% right, they believe the opposite just as strongly. Well, how can that be? Can't they see? We can become frustrated, we might grow distant, we may even sever relationships entirely. Slow down. Breeze. Step into the other person's shoes. It'll make all the difference. Today we're going to be dealing with the success force of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. It's psychologically called empathy. In Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at the 14th verse, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. That same book, chapter 4, 15th verse For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus took fleshly form so that he could understand what we go through. How many of you all have been tempted in the past seven days, if you've just been tempted? And see, without this flesh, I don't know 
how much a spirit is tempted because most of my temptation comes through the things of the flesh. So God had to send his son in a fleshly form so that he could put himself in our shoes and so that he could understand how we felt. I remember when I first started ministry and I remember God speaking to me and he says, I have to send you through some things so you can relate to the people. Now, when I heard that, I didn't like the sound of that because I don't really want to go through anything to relate to folk. I just rather read it out of a book or listen to somebody else speak and get it that way. I don't want to go through stuff. And sometimes when I am counseling people or going through a session and and they'll say, Pastor, you really have a prophetic vision on that. Oh, man, you can hear from God. That ain't from God. I've been through that. I can relate and I can understand and I can help guide you through it because I have gone through that. It's the same way in business, how you advise someone entirely different when you've gone through something versus when you just read about it or when you just have attended a conference. It makes a difference when you have gone through something. It is the success force of walking in someone else's shoes. I remember years ago, James and I, we had gone to the country of Peru, to the city of Machu Picchu. And it's one of the seven wonders of the world. They've got all these ancient ruins. And you walk up all of these steps on the mountains to get there. And, and I told James as we were walking up the steps, I'm scared. I said, something about this and I can't understand. I don't know what it is about this place, but I'm just scared. And I wasn't a person who normally heights generally don't bother me. I could fly a plane without a problem. But it was something about walking up this mountain. where I'd been situations where I climbed around a ledge of a mountain hundreds of feet above. But it was something about walking up these steps. I was just scared. And it kept happening. And I was just telling you, I don't even want to go up there. It's just something about this. I'm just scared. And then James said, you know, You're not a fearful person. He said, that sounds like it's a spirit that's on you. And then I realized it was. It was totally outside of my nature. God has let me experience in two specific instances something that was outside of my normal nature. And I experienced fear. So now when I see some others who have what others may consider to be irrational fears. You know, some folk just scared of certain things they're just scared you try to this can't hurt you they're just scared sometimes it is a spirit of fear and if you have never experienced a literal now i'm not talking about something that's logical i'm talking about something that's irrational i was walking up steps and i wasn't dizzy or anything i knew i wasn't gonna fall down it was an irrational fear and if you've never experienced an irrational fear you can't relate and understand somebody else who's going through it. You know, you just look at them and say, well, just get over that. It's not that easy. So God had me go through it. So now at least I can relate because I know what it feels like. The other thing he had me experience was the spirit of gluttony. I went through a period and I knew it was a spirit. Nobody had to tell me. I couldn't get full. So now if I am interacting with someone else who has a difficulty of appetite control, I understand it because I've been there. And see, when you have been through something, you're a lot more sympathetic about it than if you've never experienced. Because if you've never experienced all your, you ought to just man up and gird up your lungs. Just handle that thing. Get man up or woman up. Just handle that thing. When you have been through it, 
and you have been through it and you couldn't man up and you couldn't stop it and you couldn't handle it and you couldn't control it, then you can understand. Sometimes you see people who mess up in the world. And if you haven't gone through the temptation, you say, how they do that? How they fall into it? How that happen? You go through it. And you let the devil or God open up some of your gates where you face that kind of temptation. And then you understand how they feel. Then you understand why they succumb to the temptation. So there are things sometimes we become a lot better when we can understand where people are coming from. And see, that's even a business success force. When you can put yourself in the shoes of the customer, you can figure out how to best satisfy the customer, and you can make a better product or a better service. I learned long ago, I can't make products just on what I like. I have to be able to put my mindset in the mind of the person who's going to be buying your product, and sometimes it's a whole different mindset than where you are. The success force of being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. I mentioned that we had just come back. We take a company trip every year. And I always try to ask God, where should we go? And this year, actually, logically, we were just planning on going to Florida, which now has one of the highest virus rates around. But that's where we were going. And I was in my prayer one day, and I heard God speak where to go. And he said, Montgomery. I said, Montgomery? So I called up Suzanne. I said, Suzanne, uh, we're going to Montgomery. And about a week later, she said, Mr. Bronner, everybody just fussing about Montgomery. They want to know why in the world are they going to Montgomery? First of all, and then to do in Montgomery, all this racial stuff going on in Montgomery, they couldn't understand why in the world. Because we'd gone to some real exotic places and Montgomery only two and a half hours away. They just couldn't understand why am I taking the whole company to Montgomery. And half the folks just said, we're just not going. I said, well, Susanna, they're not going. They're not going, but we're going to Montgomery. So it ended up, we chartered a bus and on last Monday drove to Montgomery. We pulled up in front of the hotel, and when we pulled up in front of the hotel, almost the whole hotel, and this is right in the middle of downtown Montgomery, we pull up in front of the hotel, almost the whole hotel staff is standing outside waiting on us. So I get off of the bus, and there's the hotel manager standing there, and he's almost got tears in his eyes. And he says, you all know, you all are the first group we've had since the beginning of the pandemic. He said, in six months, we haven't had anybody. You all are the first people we've had, and we are so glad. And they just went on and on. And then I instantly understood, sometimes it's not always about you. And I wasn't even thinking about that God might have been sending us somewhere for somebody else. I wasn't even thinking about, well, maybe there's a hotel somewhere and they need our help. Their staff needs to boost. They need the money. And the hotel was brand new. They celebrated their one-year anniversary on Thursday while we were there. So the hotel was just brand new. And when the people opened the rooms up, all the rooms, they were just so glad. Sometimes you can't understand what God is directing you to do. And see, it's like that even in relationships because we can't put ourselves in the other person's shoes, what they're feeling, what their needs are. All we be worried about what our needs are. You just ain't seeing about my needs. Well, if you put yourself in the other person's shoes, what do they need? And if you try to satisfy the other person, it changes the whole relationship 
Because we don't just think about ourselves. So we had a phenomenal trip. Everybody just enjoyed it. It was just perfect. We got ready to leave. The staff all came out again and they said, you all just don't know what you've done. Because we're geared towards service, but we had no one to serve. And they actually said, because the manager couldn't understand. He said, what made you choose Montgomery? Because it made no logical sense. And normally they have a parking lot. It's around the corner where buses will park. And he said, look, you all don't even park y'all bus right in. You leave your bus right in front because we want the other hotels to know we got a bus load. <laughs> so, so my mentality was, Lord, why Montgomery? Lord, why we ain't going to win? They ain't going to win. We, us, me, my, I. I had no concept that it might not have been just for me and us that maybe God was directing us for somebody else. And oftentimes when God will lead you to do something, try to put yourself in the other person's shoes, and it'll bring you even greater success in almost every single area of your life. It even changes business. You know, Carl Benz, who actually lives in Germany, he was the inventor of the automobile, not Henry Ford. Henry Ford developed the mass production technique. But Carl Benz was actually the inventor of the automobile. His daughter was named Mercedes. So for those of you who have Mercedes Benz, that's where it came from. The first automobile was invented by Carl Benz. His daughter was named Mercedes. So he named his first car and his company Mercedes Benz. Well, anyway, this was back in about, I think it was 1886 when Carl Benz made his first car. And he made his first Mercedes Benz, but when he drove it through this town, it made so much noise that all of the people in the town started complaining because it was scaring the children, it was scaring the horses. There were no cars, just horses. So it was scaring all the horses, scaring all the children. So they went to the city council, and the city council passed an ordinance that the car could not go any faster than three and a half miles an hour in the city and seven miles an hour outside of the city. So Carl Benz, he said, I knew I can't be successful with those kind of speed limits. I had to do something about this. So he invited the mayor for a ride in his new car. But before he picked the mayor up, he made an arrangement with the milkman. And he had the milkman stand over on a side street with the milk wagon and the horse. Because back that day, you know, horses pulled the milk wagon. So he had the milkman on a side street with his horse and the milk wagon. He went and picked up the mayor. And when they drove past, the milkman then rode out and rode past them and then made fun of them. Talking about, y'all slow rascals. So the mayor sitting up there and the milkman with his thing just going calling them all kind of names, making fun of them, talking about how slow they are. So the man said, man, Carl, can't you speed this thing up? And Carl said, well, yes, it will go much faster than this, but uh, there's an ordinance. And the ordinance says I can't go any faster than three and a half miles an hour while I'm in the city. The mayor got that thing changed the next week. See, Carl knew if he could put the mayor in his shoes, he would see it from a different angle. So when we can put ourselves in another person's shoes, it changes how we view some things. There was once a grandmother who had gone to the zoo with her young grandson, 
she was an old lady, and she had the little boy there, and they were standing in line for an artist that was actually painting tiger paws on the children's faces. And a little girl in front looked at the little boy, and she said, You got freckles. You got freckles all over your face. It's not going to be any room for the artist to paint any tiger paws on your face because you got freckles all over your face. And when the little boy heard that, he just bowed his head because it made him feel so bad. And the grandmother saw it. And the grandmother took the little boy by the hand. She said, oh, oh, son, I have always wanted freckles all of my life. Freckles are so pretty. And you have so, so many, so many pretty freckles. And she just built a little boy up and just built a little boy up. And the grandmother was down talking. She said, is it anything, anything prettier than freckles? And the little boy just looked at his grandmama and he said, wrinkles. (laughs) You see, when you see the beauty in somebody else, somebody else will see the beauty in you. And oftentimes because we can't put ourselves in another person's shoes, what happens is we see so many of the negative things, and as a result, the negative things come back to us. It's the power of empathy of being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. A fellow named John Howard Griffith back in 1959 did an experiment. He was a white gentleman. But he went into a tanning salon and he took medication that darkened his skin that turned him into looking like a black man. He kinked up his hair, darkened his skin, and he was actually doing a series of articles for Sepia magazine. And he traveled throughout five states in the South as a white man looking like a black man. He wrote a book. I read this book probably 30 years ago. The book is called Black Like Me. And it's the story of a white man who turned black. And he said he never had any idea what it was like to be a black man until he became a black man. He said he would be, he worked as a shoe sign boy. And he said white people just wouldn't even see him. They would look past him. He was like he was a non-entity. He experienced racial prejudice. He said he had never had the issue before of having to use the bathroom so bad, and there was no way to use the bathroom. He said things like this that as a white person just never even entered his consciousness. When he lived months and through all these southern states, and he wrote that book, it changed his whole perspective. He said, but no one could have ever explained it to me. They couldn't have written about it. I just would not have believed it if I had not have gone through it myself. And sometimes we go through things because we need to be able to relate to others. And because he was able to relate to black like me, but sometimes to really reach people, we have to be hurt like me, abused like me, addicted like me. I can't relate to anybody addicted on on drugs. I've never been addicted. Why don't you just stop? Just say no, unless you've been shaking and throwing up and going through the DTs. That's why the people who are most successful of getting drug addicts off drugs are former drug addicts. They know what it's like, and then you can't fool them. They know what it's like. and say, man, I know what you're going through. So when a person has empathy, they know what to say, what not to say, and the person can relate to them. So sometimes... Is so much, you know, rejected like me, 
dumped like me. It's hard for you to relate to somebody that's been dumped and you've never been dumped in your life. When you've been dumped, you can relate to somebody that's been dumped. And you can truly say, I know what you're going through. I feel for you. Overweight like me, sometimes we can't relate. And the flip side is also true. In our study session with the boys yesterday, we actually went over famous people who had died from drug overdoses, drug addictions, or suicide. The flip side is just as true. Sometimes you can't relate to rich like me or famous like me. I remember back in the day when we were in the music business, everybody wanted to be Michael Jackson but me. I said, look, Michael got some issues. I can understand somewhat what it could be like where you can't even walk outside your house. You can't go to the mall. You can't go to McDonald's in peace. You see, you can't relate to it until you've been in that situation. So it works on the flip side of both ends. And some people say, well, if you got plenty of money, how could you have any problems? You can't understand that unless you just got plenty of money and money is not an issue. And now the other stuff of life is coming in. And now folks know you got plenty of money and all of them coming after you trying to get your money. You can't relate to that unless you've been there. So when you've been there, you know, if you got all this stuff, man, you're a movie star. You got all this money. You got all this women. What you doing on drugs? Why are you depressed? Why you commit suicide? Can't even understand. You can't relate to it unless you've been there. So oftentimes when you're able to put yourself in another person's shoes, it will change your effectiveness of how you can lead them to Christ. Romans 12, 15 says this. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. It is the ability for empathy. And oftentimes our emotions are exactly reverse of Romans 12, 15. When sometimes we see people who are doing great, we're jealous. And then when we see them doing bad, we're glad. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. So if somebody's just gotten a promotion, if somebody's doing good, our first reaction is, I ain't getting no promotion. They making more than me. They done got a new car and I'm still driving my old car. They done got a new house. They done got a new man. You know, all this kind of stuff. The Bible says rejoice, empathize, put yourself shooting in there. got a new man. I'm stuck with this old man. I got, and then and somebody looking at you talking about they got a man. I ain't got no man. And they go down the list. Everybody be looking at everybody else wondering and wishing they had what everybody else had. And nobody is rejoicing. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn. With those who mourn. Then when you see somebody doing bad, just be glad. Then it doesn't matter who it is. See, everyone has their issues. I don't care who they are. Everyone has their issues. So when you develop an empathy where you can sympathize and empathize with people and put yourself in their shoes, it's going to free your spirit with a lot of stuff. And it'll make it where you can just relate and do the work of Christ a whole lot better. That's why Jesus had to come in the flesh and experience what we go through in this flesh. Success force actually number 17. To be able to walk in another person's shoes. You can go to brothersoftheword.com, just click sermon search and type in success forces and you'll be able to listen to the entire series from beginning to end. 
And this is a series that comes after the plagues of Egypt. We're going through plagues now, still going to be more to come, but there is success. And there is great success to be had among the people of God. If we can just hear and heed his voice and do what God says, and there are blessings untold in store for us all. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. Amen, amen, and amen. I'm going to ask Pastor James to come now and close us out for today. Amen. Amen. We thank Pastor for this new second part of success forces and this power of empathy. This is something by human nature. We want other people to be empathetic of our actions and our point of view, but we don't want to be empathetic for others when we do something wrong we want others to understand how we messed up but we don't want to understand when others trespassed against us so we all naturally desire empathy but we don't naturally want to give it so we thank him for this message that we can begin to to think about other situations their point of views and vantage points that we may be able to relate to them and and it allows us to minister to them better uh, when we can see things from where they are and the struggles they're going through. So we thank him for this success for us that we all may be better in our relationships with others. Amen, amen. Well, with heads bowed right now, there's anybody in this place and you want to make sure that your relationship with the Father is where it needs to be. You've known him close at one time and you kind of drifted from him and you want to renew that relationship. The altar is open at this time and we'll pray with you as as you renew that relationship. Second appeal, if you've been hearing the messages here and you're led to join this body of believers and you want to join the Ark of Salvation, the doors of the church are open and We invite you to come for either one of those two appeals. I'm going to ask Minister Stephanie to close us today. She she has one of the, the greatest natural gifts of empathy that I know of anybody. And I'm not just saying that because she's my wife, but just dealing with people a lot of times when somebody will frustrate me and I may be complaining to her and she'll always give me the other person's side and sometimes I have to admit I said no I just want you to see what I'm saying here (laughs) but she always can see the other person's side sometimes I just want to ask her whose side are you on on this side (laughs) but she has a natural gift of empathy so I just want her to Anything that she wants to share from that natural gift and close us out for the day. Amen. So for the video that Pastor played and with the two students on each side of the table and the teacher put a ball in the middle and he asked them to say what color the ball is and one said black, the other said white. Then he had them to switch positions and to repeat it. And then they could see that basically the ball was one color on one half and the other color on the other half. So when they 
got in each other's shoes and each other's position, they could understand the perspective of the other person. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is so good. I am so shocked, but I'm not shocked. God told me that I was going to say something today, and I didn't know how or what that would be, but hallelujah, be ye also ready. So I just, growing up in a house with a pastor, I heard my father count so many people, pray for many people, and his biggest point in doing that was Jesus came to know how we live here. It took a God to please a God. And when you think in the terms that God had to come and see what we were doing, why we were doing it, so that he could understand how to help us and how we can be pleasing in his sight, that was why he sent his son Jesus. He duplicated himself to come and live like us. And if I can let Jesus love me, then I have to love like Jesus, which means I have to think of how God would need to hear the prayer from Jesus. So when I do hear what goes on, I mean, it's kind of natural. It's probably annoying to him, but whenever he gives me something that's going on, it's just innate in me to just tell him, well, did you think of it like this? So he's also helped me in the way of areas that I'm unfamiliar with because I don't know everything and you don't know till you realize you don't know. So he's helpful in letting me know certain things that um, will help me be empathetic on things that I don't know about. So I'm thankful I can pray that, you know, that this would be a part of everybody's existence. So God has been amazing to allow us to even have Jesus to intercede at the right hand of the Father for each of us because that's how we are getting our forgiveness. He was here and when he dealt with people who were angry, when he dealt with people who were hungry, when he saw the children that came to him, he's able to tell the Father, hey, just be merciful, Lord, because this is what she's going through. The woman with the issue of blood, he saw sickness firsthand and he was able to plead with the Father. So even if you have to pray for yourself, there's so many scriptures in the word of God where Jesus actually knows exactly what you're going through. And if we just remind him of the things he saw to say, this is what I'm going through, Lord, I need your healing hand. Just like the leper came and there was no cure. COVID has no cure. Just say the leprosy, Lord, you healed it. I need you to heal it like you heal the leprosy in the word. That's empathy. That's bringing truth to what he felt to know how you feel. So just right now with heads bowed, Father, we just thank you for your precious word. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for coming to live the life that we live. We thank you for being one of us. We thank you for having a heart to learn how we live and what we need. So Lord, right now, we just need to know how it feels to walk in your shoes. And we thank you for being the everlasting father, for being the one who did take the stripes on your back for our healing. The one who stayed on the cross because you knew we didn't want to go to hell. The one who kept all of the things that we did for us to be able to receive the divine loving protection and healing and salvation 
from the Father. We just thank you for the empathy, Lord, that you have even today. We thank you for the sympathy that you have even today. We just ask you, Lord, that you will pour out yourself into us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that is our comforter and our keeper and that speaks to us. We just invite you because you are a gentleman and you have to be invited to speak. We just thank you for your wonderful presence. We ask you, Lord, that you incline our ear to know exactly what you're saying so that we can speak to you and know how to ask you, how to be helpful to other people here in the earth, how to speak prayers for them when they can't pray for themselves, how to pray for our own self when we don't know what to say. So God, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for not leaving us here. We thank you for not leaving us alone. We thank you for understanding that we needed an empathetic ear, an empathetic mind. We just praise you, God, for Pastor's message, God. Just continue to pour into him more and more and more so that we can be more pleasing in your sight. Create in us, Lord, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from us, God. Give us a new mind that we might be pleasing in your sight. Lord, we just raise our hands and say we accept... We want to say we accept your empathy, Jesus. And we thank you for speaking into us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was part 17 of the series titled Success Forces, subtitled Putting Yourself in Someone Else's Shoes by Nathaniel Bronner. This sermon is number 5885, that's 5885. To listen to thousands of free sermons or to send this sermon number 5885 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brother.